Okay, picture this. You're a teenager again. It's the weekend. You've gotten a bunch of friends together, and you know you're going to have minimal adult supervision for 24 to 48 hours. What do you do? Well, if you said code groundbreaking apps and invent new stuff, you're a liar. We all know the kinds of shenanigans you'd get up to. But today's kids, they actually do that, and kind of often. It's called a hackathon. You throw a bunch of kids in a room together, offer them some equipment, organize them into teams, and then see who makes the coolest things. In fact, in the October issue of Popular Mechanics, we gave out some of our breakthrough awards to hackathon teams. And on today's show, I invited one of those teams, Jake Kaplan and Danny Yim of the Bergen County Academies in New Jersey, to tell us more about what the hackathon experience is like. I'm Kevin Dupsick, and this is How Your World Works. For today's show, I've got two guests in the studio with me here, uh, Danny Yim and Jake Kaplan. Guys, say hi. Hey, I'm Hello. Jake. Uh, I'm Danny. So you guys are juniors at Bergen County Academies, right? Yep. Now, mm-hmm. um, the way I got introduced to you is that for our October Breakthrough Awards issue, um, we took a look at a couple of teams uh, that have participated in hackathons recently and had success with cool projects they're working on. You guys were a team that we wrote about. You put together uh, what I think we called the Cadillac of Soldering Irons. And I thought it'd be really interesting to hear from you guys about what a hackathon is like. Um, what a team is like, how you work together, what kind of problems you face. So you're going to talk me through it, yeah? Yeah. Yep. Um, so I guess actually the first thing to ask though is just like, you guys are generally interested in science or do you have like particular things you like or is it computer science more than like biology? So the school we attend, Burton County Academies, we're divided into seven sub-academies. So we've got like engineering, culinary, medical, science. We've, uh, we have a comp sci academy or computer science academy. Mm-hmm. And both of us are in engineering. So... Our original interest going to high school when we applied for this magnet school was to go into engineering, to more or less go into an engineering field once we yeah. grew up. So um, from our high school, there was uh, a computer science, a couple computer science students started a hackathon. Our high school was one of the first successful high school hackathons to happen in this country. Mm-hmm. Those first ones were before you guys got there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, the second and third we both participated in. In complete honesty, Coding really isn't my forte. I am pretty bad at it, not going to lie. I have some interest in computer science. My brother is very interested in it. Um, But my interest is more, um, I like working with uh, electrical and mechanical, um, so more hands-on, you know, physically hacking. Okay. Neither of you guys wanted to do the Culinary Academy? I'm surprised. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it it was a hard decision not to, but... (laughs) Since we're in the school with them, we can always, you know, mooch off of their food. Yeah, well, that's yeah. the way to do it, right? <laughs> so you guys knew each other. Were you guys just like buddies in school first and then ended up participating together? Or did you meet at a hackathon? We met our freshman year. The week before school or two weeks before school starts, freshman year, um, some of the upperclassmen uh, run an event called eCamp, engineering camp. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's for uh, the, all the freshmen come and they can meet all of, everyone like before school starts and get to know each other and how the school works in the academy yeah um and so i met danny there and uh, that's where i first met him and throughout school i've had classes with him um and so we've gotten to know each other better and we've worked on projects prior to the hackathon project yeah you know i'm sure a lot of our audience won't have been to a hackathon i haven't actually been to one mm-hmm. um just explain what a hackathon is I guess the whole hackathon's purpose is kind of a competition. It's to encourage uh, people on the spot to build whatever they can within that 24-hour or 36 or even 12-hour period in order to 
what is it, develop a useful app, develop something fun. Nowadays, I've heard that they have something called game bashes where people develop games, like full-fledged, like what yeah. is it, PC games that you can download within 24 hours. And I think it's an environment that you can really encourage to, what is it, see what you can put together within 24 hours. There are definitely projects that you can take out of them and then really run with it to even make a startup company if we wanted to like right something we got suggestions for was we could probably take this take this straight to weller which was like the original soldering iron company see if we can try to market it to them but we're high schoolers so. <laughs> <laughs> hey you'd be surprised yeah typically the hackathons they're mainly focused on computer science related um hacks like you know, you could develop a web app or something entirely on the computer. Yeah. Uh, but something, uh, the thing that we pursued um, at our hackathon and something that's becoming a bit more popular, especially at our school hackathon, is something called hardware hacking. Mm-hmm. And that's where you, like the main focus of your hack isn't really in the code. It's got a lot to do with, you know, physically making something and using hardware um, and electronics and you can also have a code to back it up. You could have a mix between the two, like what we did. There are uh, new novices or amateurs who can come start learning how to code, mm-hmm. or there are other members who come who fully have that experience with coding. So they compete within that 24 hours to create a project that works. There is usually like a competition element, and I know the hackathon that like we covered your project for in the magazine was part of Major League Hacking, where they actually do like a full season of competitions, but. Um, can you just talk a little bit about like what's, uh, you know, you said that you've had friends who've learned to code on the spot, put together a project, and then still been able to place. So what are you, what is, how did the competition aspect usually work? It's kind of like what our project stands out to the judges. Uh, we, for the last two years for our high school, we just kind of found our own sponsors. And we, let's say we would have Intel sponsor a few prizes. We'd have other companies sponsor a few prizes. And They'd get different prizes, let's say best Arduino hacked, uh, best mobile app hack, mm-hmm. best overall, second best overall. The sponsors walk around and they see what you have and they you know, see what they like. A n- large group is selected, like, panel I don't know, maybe. Judges, I yeah, well, uh, there's a panel of judges, but then they select like a large group of hacks, uh, maybe 20, 30, uh, that they bring on to the next round. Yeah. And, and then the sponsors and judges just walk around and they just look at your projects and uh, see what you have to offer. And if they like what you've got, then uh, they take the top five and they um, bring them on stage and then you give a presentation about it. I think one of my favorite presentations I've ever seen on that, that went on stage after the uh, <coughs> initial round of presentations was uh, this hackathon that we were just at. Um, what is it? There was a guy who built an RC plane, mm-hmm. brought it on stage, took off, and then crash it into the audience. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, like, everyone was pretty sure that he was going to be the one to win first because his project was insane. Yeah. It was, like, he, he carved the entire plane out of, like, foam board, uh, and he put motors on himself. It was insane. So, and it would have been probably a clear winner if it wasn't for him crashing it into I, a I kid. I think that might have been a... Yeah. <laughs> was, the, was the audience okay? Like, uh, the audience was shocked, I guess, at yeah. first, but then we, and, and we kind of laughed it off afterwards. I think his goal was to build like a functional like RC plane that was cheap and had first-person view that yeah. he could stream on his phone. So Wait, uh, so was he streaming when it crashed into the kid? I think so. Mm-hmm. I'm not exactly sure where the video went, though. That's a shame. <laughs> I think he was playing the video on the screen. He was playing it on the, the screen as it crashed? <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> I guess we can look for that eventually. <laughs> yeah, that's one for the record books. 
Um, so, okay, so when, so what time of day do you usually go to start the hackathons? Like after school on Friday? Like set the scene for me. Uh, so it starts Saturday. Um, we start checking kids in around 12 o'clock. We start the hackathon around 3. You're not allowed to start working on your project beforehand, so we all brought like raw material as in just like straight out of Home Depot. It's just stolen their sheets. Yeah. But what is it? Once the hackathon starts, you can start working on it. So some people choose to bring their own materials for hardware hacks. Like they bring their own uh, breadboards and what is it, com- electrical components to breadboard yeah. socks. What is it, circuit if they want to? Or in our case, we brought a whole bunch of materials. And then once the hackathon started, we started working on it. Yeah. So do you, you have like everybody kind of has their own little like station set up? Yeah. When you walk in, there's just rows upon rows of tables and you kind of just find an open spot and you start working there yeah some people i'm not even kidding they'll bring their full desktop computer to the event and Mm -hmm. i've seen someone who brought their entire desktop and two 20 inch monitors and jeez that said people you know land parties yeah yeah people like people still do that i think so yeah i mean like i was gonna say that i don't know if you guys would know what that was (laughs) like that was when i was in college but people will set up game their gaming stations and like, we, we've got the kids who code, mm. you've got the kids who do homework, and you've got the kids who play video games for 24 hours straight. And the, ki- <laughs> and the kids that sleep. Yeah. yeah. So Because, I mean, another thing that the hackathon has is boxes upon boxes of chips and soda. So, you know, it is a great event if you just want to, you know, chill and eat. Like, go yeah. gorge yourself on potato chips and fall yes. asleep. More or less. <laughs> yeah. we, we got a lot of food sponsors. Yeah. So, you got a free meal. You got, what is it, dinner lunch and breakfast out of it so and yeah cookies with milk yeah we we have midnight pizza and uh oh come on dipping dots um gotta keep do you ever have to awake. like muscle people out of your space uh, not really not really i, I mean, mean occasionally you'll have the heavy sleeper under your desk but yeah. uh, what <laughs> all right <laughs> explain uh, so like we said it's, it is a 24-hour event um and so you've got people sleeping anywhere they can find mm-hmm. and Occasionally, you'll have students who, you know, just want to lie down for a brief few minutes, so they'll put down a pillow under the desk and just sleep there. Yeah. But then they, it will turn from, like, a few minutes to a few hours, <laughs> yeah. and they'll wake up disoriented, very confused, maybe bump their head on the table. Like, where am I? Why am I underneath the table? <laughs> Um, are the teams always like preformed? Do some people form teams like on the spot, or is it always like you register and you know who your team is? There, there's a number of people that form teams on the spot. There, there are a lot of people that are coming from outside the school that you know don't have a group because um, you, when you're coming from the school, a lot of the students that go there um, tend to form uh, their group beforehand because you know we see each other uh, and it's easy to form a group. But uh, many of the people who are just coming um, from not from their school they'll you know come alone or with one other person they'll meet up with some other people and be like hey you guys want to start a project yeah um and there's also the people that like danny said that start you know they go to a workshop learn how to code and now they know how to code something and they have an idea but they don't have any group because they came not even know how to code <laughs> yeah. so you'll have some people that were at a workshop together maybe they'll come together and start working on a project yeah, yeah. what what do you think makes a good team um, I mean, a, a very big thing that makes a good team, or at least that prevents a bad team, is, you know, having someone who's, if you're going to work, that's also going to work. They have a similar work ethic, because you don't want to ever really be working with someone who just came to, um, 
you know, check out other people's projects, eat food, play video <laughs> games and sleep. Yeah. Because then you're going to be slaving away at your project and you got to make up for all the slack that they're given. And then you can't, it, it's not as fun and then you're not as productive. Um, and so one of the things that helped Danny and I work so well together is that we both, we spent the whole time just, you know, working away at a project. And uh, we did take, you know, an occasional uh, break to, you know, let off some steam, you know, um, yeah. cool down from working on the project for a while uh, to get food, to check out some of the nearby projects. Uh, but for the most part, the, the two of us, we both had the same mindset to, you know, keep working and get it done and we finish in time and everything, which yeah. is important. Does it help to have, like, I'm just thinking of, like, movies where, like, the team of criminals joins up to rob the bank and there's like the lock pick and there's the guy who's like good at sleight of hand and there's the guy who's like the smooth talker and there's the guy who like knows the bank manager do you, does it help to have like a different set of skills like do you guys each have things that you focus on yeah definitely um it, it does help a lot so as day said before he's not uh he doesn't really specialize in coding <laughs> not at by all. any means um <laughs> Like I said, my brother codes a lot, so I picked up some from him, and so I know a bit of Java, I know um, a bit of Arduino, and so I was able to, you know, work on the code, um, and then he's, he has uh, a good idea of, you know, electronics, setting up um, schematics and yeah. PCBs and working that out. So we designed our own Arduino shield for this, so I spent a lot of it, spent a lot of time soldering all the components to the board, and then... Like the physical fume extractor that was on there, I spent some time designing. Um, both of us learned CAD, so we're yeah. going back mm -hmm. and forth between rapid prototyping with the 3D printer and designing it, on, designing it on CAD, like at the event itself. Yeah. Well, so let's go back because we haven't ever we've talked about it a few times, but we haven't actually said what your project was. So, yeah. what's the what's the project? Well, the project was um, it's it's a smart soldering iron, and so we added a few um, functionalities to it uh, that improved it. Um, so that it, you know, we be better than just a regular solder iron. And first of all, uh, there's the whole problem with um, temperature uh, adjustments and being able to, you know, adjust your temperature of the iron. So if you buy like a cheap soldering iron for like ten bucks, uh, you plug it straight into the wall, and it you can't change the temperature. It just mm -hmm. goes, you know, full power into the iron. But if you buy like a more expensive one, these can go up from like seventy dollars and more. Um, now you have temperature control, but of course it's much more expensive. And so we wanted to uh, take one of these cheap ones and incorporate our own temperature control. So, and yeah, yeah. so we use something called um, pulse width modulation, and we use a hardware pulse width modu modulation using a, um, a solid state relay. They're really cheap soldering irons, like the $10 ones. Mm -hmm. They're really appealing because you're, you're looking at the ones that cost 70 and up, 60, 70 and up, and you're thinking, wow, that's really out of my budget. And then you look at one that's 10 bucks, and you're saying, hey, I yeah. can get that. Yeah. So um, they work well if you take care of them. I've managed to have one of them last me a year now. But the general problem with those are is that you kind of get your money's worth. They work well for however short period of time you have them. Some have them last year. Some have them last a few months. And the main problem overall is just because you are putting full power through it constantly. When you overheat the heating element, there's there's no set way the soldering iron fails. Like there's yeah. dozens of ways it can start underheating, it can start overheating. The tips corrode pretty quickly, so there's like dozens of ways those fail. So yeah. we're thinking 
if we like if you add temperature control to it, that can prevent most of it, most of those problems because by controlling the temperature of the soldering iron, then you're preventing the main most more or less the main problem of overheating. So what is it? We were looking to find a cheap way to add temperature control to the soldering iron itself. So you knew that you wanted to, because it sounds like sometimes people show up and not necessarily know what their project will be, mm -hmm. right? But in this case, you guys knew, you brought the soldering iron with you. You knew that you wanted to work on the soldering iron project, but you didn't know, aside from temperature control, you kind of knew you wanted to tackle that problem, but you didn't yeah. really know what else exactly you wanted to do. Yeah, like, right? yeah. for example, the fume extractor, we said... We want fume extraction on it, but we really didn't know what to do execution-wise, so we bought a whole bunch of random pieces of piping and said, we'll figure it out on the spot. So his computer can run CAD on it, so mm -hmm. we designed a few, we had a few prototype clips, and then we managed to design a clip that can fit over the soldering iron to hold the tube in place. So that, what is it? And the fume extraction, just to be clear for anybody who's not familiar, so that's when you're soldering it like sort of gives off stuff that's not healthy, so yeah. you have yeah. to have something to suck that up and keep it, mm -hmm. you know, from you breathing yeah. it in or that kid sleeping under the table breathing it in or yeah. yeah since it creates toxic fumes it's always highly recommended you're either in a highly ventilated area or you have fume <laughs> extraction i mean like i spent most of my earlier years sticking a box fan out my window hoping for the best yeah but the proper way to do fume extraction is have a room that's actively ventilated so some a lot of workshops have actively ventilated rooms or yeah. they have these uh, fume extractors that look like miniature box fans with a carbon filter in front of them, mm -hmm. and those filter out any of the toxins and the smoke. And the problem we didn't like with those, f the problem is, and what we don't like with those fume extractors are, because they're such small fans, uh, you have to literally be like three or four inches up against it with a soldering iron to have enough suction around it to pull the smoke through. You said you guys knew you wanted to tackle this, but didn't quite know how, so you just brought a bunch of raw materials. Can you kind of walk me through the process of sort of figuring out what you actually should make and then kind of the, the trial and error it took to get it working? Yeah, so we, we did want to attach some sort of um, fume extraction method. Um, and so we were thinking, you know, we'd use this tubing uh, to extract the fumes directly from the tip of the iron. Uh, and then it would go and be filtered somehow. But we weren't really sure how we wanted to filter it. We weren't really sure, you know, what type of fan we wanted to use or anything. So uh, Danny had some of his old uh, big box fume extractors. And so uh, originally um, we designed on uh, the CAD software on my laptop, we designed a mount that would, you know, funnel from the, the tubing and then attach directly onto the big fume extractor. Yeah. And so... Uh, you could just mount it onto uh, the fume extractor that he had. And that it, w it sort of worked, but the mm. suction was so limited, it just wasn't enough to really p pull the fumes through the tubing, especially if there was any, like, sort of wind at all, even yeah. from, like, a fan, you know, 20 feet away. It would just not go through the tubing. And so we met someone that... Uh, was a regular attendee of our um, local uh, makerspace, and he just happened to have in the <laughs> back of his van in the parking lot. That sounds sick. A yeah. um, bunch of computer uh, fans. Yeah, <laughs> high power uh, PC fans, and they were he he called them super fans because yeah. they were so high power. So they and were so, uh, what is it? They were forty millimeter high suction fans for big server units because yeah. server units they tend to overheat and this guy's had his van floor. hanging out in your parking lot. Yeah, he, what is it? He was one of the chaperones at the event, okay. and he's, he knows we were struggling with the fans. Since it was designed for high suction, it turned out well for us. So we redesigned that cone, we 3D printed it, and we attached it to the tubing. 
I think we got it working 20 minutes before the judges came around. Yeah, so <laughs> since we were trying with the original uh, fan idea, you know, and we spent a bit of time, we were working on the other aspects of the project, but we kept going back to him. We couldn't get it to work, and then he offers us the fan maybe yeah. an hour, an hour and a half before the end of the event, and we're like, awesome, but now we need to design a new um, funnel and be able to mount and everything. And so uh, we... Luckily, uh, because we, you know, knew CAD and stuff, we could just design, change a few um, parameters on the uh, original funnel yeah. um, so it could be redesigned and fit over the fan. And then we had to 3D print it, and the print itself was like an hour. And so by the oh, time man. it was done printing and we assembled it and everything, it was like 20 minutes before the event. And so we were like, you know, all crowded, you know, us and uh, the guy who brought us the fan and a few of our friends were like crowded around the soldering station and we were just like you know waiting for it to heat up so we could test it with some solder and see if it yeah. sucked it up yeah so. the minute the fumes went into the iron we <laughs> yeah <laughs> it works yeah <laughs> eureka but is it pretty frantic the whole time just like the with the pace of work and stuff first you're, you're always calm right yeah you're always calm you're like ah 24 hours easy you know, I'll just, you know, get some chips, get some soda, time to sit back and relax. And then, you know, the it's two in the morning, and that's when it really starts to hit you. Because not only um, are you really tired now, and you got to work through the, the tired phase before you get to the, I've been up for 10 hours in, to the, in the early morning, you know, I'm never sleeping again phase. Yeah. Uh, and But you also know that you're, you're starting to run out of time. Um, it, was there a point during this project or during other projects he's worked on where you just like thought like all hope was lost? The fan. Yes. <laughs> uh, the fan, definitely. And then um, while I was wor working on the software, I could not get it to work because of a, a simple error. Uh, pretty much I was saving the current time. Mm -hmm. um, as in, Well, to wait for this, the standby mode, we had to wait either 15 or 30 seconds. And so saving, you know, when, it, when the iron was docked, I saved the time as an integer, mm -hmm. and then I compared um, the current time to that save time until it was 15 or 30 seconds apart. Yeah. Uh, well, what I didn't account for was an integer is only, you know, so many uh, bits, and the current time is, is set in milliseconds, and so that takes up a lot of bits. Yeah. And so it only lasts about 65 seconds until it resets. <laughs> and so I was having problems where after a minute, it would just stop working. And so it was working at first and that wasn't working. So I was going like insane. I had to walk away from it like twice yeah. all over the span of like <laughs> two hours. And this was around like two in the morning. Yeah. Because I just couldn't figure out what this error was because, you know, it would work. And then all of a sudden it would just stop working. Like, what yeah. is that? And so finally I figured it out and I used some method where um, it would check how many sets of 65 seconds or whatever it would be. Yeah. And then it would add a counter to that to... Um, check for that yeah um so i was able to sort it out but i was going insane with that one bug was danny helpful or was he just making fun of you or what uh half and half i, I always make fun of him <laughs> for everything he does so how does it feel to actually finish like when everything was working and it was done how's that feel it's it's very like you know you have a brief period of we made it it and it's like hallelujah we're done um but then of course we got called for um the second set of judging. Um, yeah. And so then it was kind of like, well, we just finished, and now we have about five minutes left to prepare what we're going to talk about at the judging <laughs> yeah. session. Um, 
And so it's like you get right back into it. And then it's not until, uh, it wasn't really until for us uh, that when we made our presentation, we kind of just sat down and I think we were like the second presentation. So we listened to the remaining presentations um, and we, we could really relax then. Um, and it, it, we were so relaxed at that, but we were like so, you know, tired and just like, oh, it's finally over. When they called us up for first place, we didn't even like we, register. We didn't register, so we were we're sitting there. Like, we're clapping. Oh, and we're like, oh, nice. <laughs> like, oh, I wonder whose project that them. is. Yeah. And then her friend's just looking at us. Oh, you go up. And we're like, oh. Yeah, that's oh. you. It's your turn. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, have you ever done the spaghetti tower challenge before? No, I have no idea what that is. Oh, uh, so like for like team building activities, uh, what they do is there's a spaghetti tower challenge where they give you 20 pieces of spaghetti, one yard of string, one yard of tape, and a marshmallow. And you have to build the tallest tower you can out of, out of all the materials you have and have the marshmallow on top. And that's how it's measured. Oh, okay. So I, I want to liken hackathons to building the spaghetti tower because yeah. it's really cobbled together a lot. And not even for our, our own hacks, but even for codes, there's a lot of glitches. There's times when it crashes. So that moment when you get it working, you've also got that like thought in the back of your head saying, will this run for a second time? Will this be reliable for the, what is it, yeah. time in front of the judges? And the thing about spaghetti tower challenges is that you've you built the tower, you think, all right, we got it. Like, time's up. You put the marshal on top. Tower stays up for, like, a good 20 seconds, and then it collapses over because the weight yeah. of the marshmallow. And they, yeah. like, most people don't take into account the weight of the marshmallow because they're so busy building the spaghetti tower. So then by the time they put the marshal on top, it's like that rush of enjoyment because, like, oh, my God, I've got a tower that's standing with a marshmallow on top. Yeah. And then afterwards, you really don't expect it, but it just collapses on you. So yeah. it's always, like, that fear of, like, you've made it, but also, like, will this tower collapse on me at the same time? So yeah. It was, like, fingers crossed for us. Well, yeah. Lucky for us, our tower didn't collapse. Yeah, yeah. you didn't crash your marshmallow <laughs> into the audience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what did you say in your presentation, by the way? I really don't remember. Um, we, were, we were in that delirious phase where it's yeah. like after yeah. 24 hours, we didn't sleep, and they yeah. put us on stage with the microphone, and we're like... Mm -hmm. Personally, I, I was talking and talking about the pulse width modulation, and I didn't think I could have sounded more boring. <laughs> yeah. And the audience <laughs> is just sitting there like, you know, they're, they're drooling almost. And yeah. They're, they're already tired. I had to put at least half of them to sleep. And yeah. so um, we really weren't expecting, you know, yeah. That they would be as pleased with their project as they were. I th right. I think what was really funny for, like, I think the both of us, too, because, like, we, I don't know, I don't really remember much from the presentation just because of how delirious I was, but I think apparently we presented the whole issue with soldering irons, the really cheap ones, as a very, like, dire issue to, like, <laughs> engineers all around the world. Because, like, <laughs> when the judges came up to present, the reason why we didn't think it was, like, us that won first place was because... They said, oh, like, like, this group managed to tackle such a large issue at hand. And we were thinking, ah, that can't be us. Yeah, it's yeah. just a soldering iron. Yeah. And then when they call us up, we're like, really? Is yeah. that really that big uh, of an issue? <laughs> yeah, hand. like immigration, poverty, yeah, yeah. soldering iron. <laughs> yeah. yeah, more or less. Yeah. Awesome. Well, guys, thanks for coming in. This was really fun. Yeah. Yeah, it was. And uh, good luck with next year's. Thank you. Thank you so much. So that's our show. Higher World Works is produced by the staff of Popular Mechanics and edited by Jesse Wright Mendoza. We'd like to thank Sarah Bentley and Andy Bowers from Panoply 
and Popular Mechanics Editor-in-Chief Ryan D'Agostino. Please subscribe to our show on iTunes, and while you're there, leave us a comment. We'd love to know what you think. And by the way, don't forget to check out our other show, The Most Useful Podcast Ever. If you want to read more about hackathons, check out our website, popularmechanics.com podcasts. And while you're there, remember that you can subscribe to the print and digital editions of our magazine for just $13.99 for one year. I'm Kevin Dubsik. Thanks for listening.